Good morning. So this morning we are continuing in our trek through the Gospel of Mark. And as we looked at this morning, we have Mark 4, 21 through 34. And it is a trek through the parables. And if you were to think of a parable and you were to ask yourself, what is a parable really? I kind of get what it means a little bit, but what is, what is the, the purpose of a parable, parable and what is the actual uh, use that Jesus made of this parable in this section right here? And a parable is uh, very simply Jesus' most uh, commonly used way of teaching the masses. So if he was out in public, he spoke in parables. When he was with his disciples, he would speak to them plainly, and he would describe things and, and, under, and explain things that maybe they had a little bit of questions about after the, the public part of it. And might ask your question, the question, why would he speak in parables? Why would Jesus speak in parables? It's important because Jesus had a real knack for figuring out how to most effectively communicate with people. And he would read his audiences, and he would respond with a certain kind of communication that would best meet their needs. And so as we look at this, uh, the parable usually, and if you look through the Gospels, the parables will start out saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like. And that comparison, if I said the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven or the spiritual forces in heaven is like an adult knee hockey tournament, you all would have a personal understanding about what that looks like, right? Now, back in their day, they would not have. But they did get seeds and agriculture and those sorts of things. So what did Jesus defer to when he, he came up with parables? Many times it was farming, soils, seeds. And that made perfect sense to the people who were receiving that instruction because they were in it. A parable is one that is laid down beside another to compare with. That's exactly what it means. A paraprofessional, or paraclete, a Holy Spirit, they're very similar. There's some differences, but they are very, very much comparable. So a parable is really to lay down a earthly truth that everyone can see and can understand because they've lived in it and compare it to a spiritual truth that they're unfamiliar with and make what they know translate into a spiritual truth that they don't know. That's what a parable really was used for in Jesus' time. And so as Jesus did this, you ask the question, why did he do this? We're looking to answer that question. And then also, not only that, to go through the rest of the parables uh, that, that proceed in Mark 4. So here we are. Yeah, this is Mark 4.21. He said to them, uh, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it, in, put it on its stand, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So here's this parable. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. 
Again, he said, what shall we say the, the kingdom of God is like? Or what par- a parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. And we see in this passage that Jesus' preaching was primarily in parables when he was in a public scenario, and it was designed to to communicate a truth that they weren't maybe even yet necessarily ready to hear. Think of this. How many things, if you read through your Bible, and if you had never, ever heard of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, meaning that you were on this, the other side of the cross. We have such a benefit being on this side of the cross. We get to see what Jesus did and the the results of that. But these people hadn't seen that yet. They were like Old Testament saints. They were looking at it from a brand new perspective. And so when when Jesus was preaching in parables and explaining things, he was using things that made sense to them because they had not yet experienced what the kingdom of God would look like. We get to see it from the backside. A lot easier to see and retrospect how your life has transpired. But to see it ahead of time, we can't see around the corner. So Jesus uses these parables to, to teach in a, in a way that makes sense to the people who heard them. Last week, Pastor Try covered the parable just preceding this, and I know we just jumped right into this, but just as a quick kind of catch us up, it was the parable of the soils preceding this section. And remember, the soils represented what? What, would, what did the soils represent? Ah, okay, us, our hearts. You pass it on to whoever it is that, that, that deserves it. There you, she's like, you have it. They'll have a fight over there pretty soon. It'll be like a knee hockey tournament. So what we, what we see from this is that it's us, it's our hearts. It's, the soils are actually uh, really representative of us. And the farmer sows the same exact seed. But does the seed grow the same in every soil? No, that's the point of this parable. And so they would understand that. They've seen rocky soil. They've seen fertile ground. They've seen every variation that Jesus points out. Jesus was hitting them right where they were. What is your heart towards the word? And ask yourself the question this morning. When you read the word, when you hear the word, do you have a receptive heart? Or does, do you receive it for a little while and then it kind, of, it kind of gets covered up by some other things? Maybe even choked out or picked from, picked from other things that maybe the world offers. In Luke 8, it says this, But the good seed on, on, this, on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And here's uh, Luke's version of the same thing, is that the parable of the soils all has to do with the heart that's going to receive it. That's what makes the seed productive. The seed is powerful in itself. Well, this lamp would have been a common thing. When Jesus talked about a lamp, they would light a lamp. It would be basically a clay basin with oil in it, and there would be a wick, and they would light it. And they would light it during the day. And then at night, they would actually put it under a basket or they would put it under their bed. That was common practice. They knew exactly what that looked like. It would be kind of like describing to you uh, what a cell phone is. I don't need to describe to you what a cell phone is. You use it every day. 
They used a lamp every single day. It wasn't something they just brought out when the power went out. This is what they depended on upon every day. So as we read this section here, see it from that perspective. He said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And then we see this perspective of, of this lamp being lit, and Jesus is talking about the fact that lamps are meant to, to actually spray out light amongst them, uh, the, around the lamp, and that anything that is hidden is then brought out, and it's actually exposed. And what he's going to go on to talk about is this seed, and how this seed also has the same effect with those people who are around uh, the seed, that it will take root, and depending on the soils that are there, it will have an effect on that person. So here, I'm just going to skip. I have editorial privileges, by the way, because we have a baptism, and I don't want you to hear past lunch, okay? John wrote this, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. So Jesus compares himself to this lamp, and what he says is that anyone, anyone that believes in him will, will, will not stay in darkness. They will come out because his light will pervade their, their world and be, uh, be obvious to them that he is the source of all, of all light. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Does that bother you? I'm just going to ask you the question. Does it bother you that the person who gets something will get more, and the person who gets something and doesn't do anything with it, actually that gets taken away from them? Is it fair? Maddie says, yeah, it's fair. Well, you're a parent. You borrow, your, you borrow the car to your kid and your kid doesn't take care of it, what are you going to do the next time? You're not going to borrow the car to them, right? You could, you could borrow it to someone else who actually really is going to take care of it and maybe needs it or whatever. And yet in the same way, we make those same decisions all the time. What God is saying here is this. He wants every person. It's, it's this parable of the farmer. And this is just some crazy farmer just spreading seed everywhere. He's just, it's everywhere. You've never seen farmers do, my, my dad wouldn't just spread seed everywhere. Why? It's pricey, right? So it's pricey. It's something that's got a valuable, and yet God spreads seeds everywhere. The sower seeds, the seeds are spread in every different soil. Why does God do that? Huh? Ah, okay, he gives everyone an equal chance. Elaine says, yeah, well, you know what? God is not going to say, well, yeah, you, you know what? You're not likely to sprout in you, so I'm just not going to put any seed down there. Have you ever thought about that with someone you know? You go, man, I don't think that person's ever going to come to Christ. I'm not even going to bother maybe inviting them to a church or inviting them to this or even sharing with them just how maybe Jesus has changed your life because they look like they're on the periphery. And yet you have this crazy farmer just throwing seed everywhere. And you see, God has a different way of doing things. And yet at the same time, when that seed hits the ground, we as soils have a response to that seed. 
And how we respond to it will really determine how much more seed we get or how much more uh, moisture or sunlight that we have because, again, this is the parable. It's a physical thing they could understand that translates into a spiritual truth that God will bless how we respond to his word with more blessing. Isn't that good, good to hear? You're like, man, I am, I'm in a dry spell right now, reading or whatever it is. And, and all of a sudden, you just trust in faith that God will bring you through that period of time. And he blesses the time that you do have in the Word. Maybe he blesses the time that you, have, that you spend in a small group when you're hearing from other different people, different perspectives, encouragement that way. And all of a sudden, you realize that was his blessing. That was more on top of what you already had. So God blesses us that way. He challenges us to see his, his word and his blessings in those light, in that light there. So if you are, oops, we get to, right, we can go through. So if you are attentive, if you're an attentive listener and you invest in what you, what you read and what you hear, maybe in small groups, the things that you're in, invested in, we have this same sort of promise that you find in God's word in other places. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. He who sows sparingly, finish it, also reaps sparingly. But he who sows generously, reaps generously. And so you have this perspective of which it's a spiritual truth we see in other places too. As we invest in things, and as we are diligent and attentive to listen to God's word, we recognize that God actually will bless us even more and he gives us even more because he's like, there's a faithful servant there. I'm going to pour some resources into that person. And I'm going to pour some truth into that person because they're going to share it with others. And so we're not this closed vessel. We not only, we not only take in seed, but what is the lamp for? What's the purpose of the lamp? Yeah, lamps don't take in light. They what? They, shed, they share light. So the people around you, even though they may not know exactly what makes you tick yet... They will probably pretty soon. You are a lamp. And he's like, you were not built to be put underneath a couch, nor under a basket, because you, I've invested my word in you, that you would share not only your word, but your, your life. You, 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 your strongest asset is this, God's word in your life changing you and sharing that with someone else. Unarguable. They cannot, they can, they cannot defend that. It's indefensible. Ben cannot defend my life's change. And so his strongest and his strongest, his strongest argument is how God has changed him. And your strongest argument is how God has changed you, mainly through his word. That's, it's either a byproduct of someone else in your life who has had his word, but the, the root of it comes from his word. And so we have the parable of the talents, which I know makes people, that makes people uncomfortable. So they, they, get, they get different talents, don't they? So you, you realize that there's, there's, this, there's this investment period of time, and based on their investment, they also reap a reward. And is that fair? It's fair in the same way. And so the person who went and actually kind of put that, those talents to work gets more. And there's a kingdom principle there. What you do here matters for all eternity. Your faithful, God measures faithfulness. That's primarily what it measures, and other things too. But if you're faithful here, you get the benefits of that all throughout all eternity and right now as well. 
Because that faithfulness actually, it, it kind of multiplies itself. And that would be true in, this, in the world that we work in as well. And as, as parents, if you're, if you're a faithful and diligent parent, doesn't guarantee you're going to get X, Y, and Z kinds of uh, results with your kids. But it is a very strong predictor of it. And so you see it works in different ways. And how about the one that uh, Pastor Tri talked about last week? where the soils, and so the seed fell in different soils, and they were attentive to different degrees, and so they had uh, results of 30, 60, or 100-fold according to how they abided and leaned on God and actually were receptive to His Word. And so we are to commit it to memory, to understand what God's Word says, to, to really wrestle with things so that we can share it with others and have a firm foundation. What does Joshua 1.8 say? What does it say? Do not let this word depart from your mouth. Meditate on what? Day and night that you'll be prosperous and successful in the end. And then we see 1 Peter 3.15 also says this. Share God's word and be diligent to, to learn, but be gentle. And so there is this incentive that we have that God says, not just take in this word for yourself, but you're a lamp and you're to share it with other people gently and to, to, to allow people to see the change in your life. Speak so powerfully to do that. Hebrews 2.1, We must pay the most careful attention, careful attention, therefore do what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Have your parents, bring back to your parenting times, or when you were a, a teenager maybe, and your, and your mom or your dad said, now pay attention. But no, pay attention. And when their kids were little, we'd actually grab their faces when, you know, they don't do that. When you, you don't get away with that with teenagers necessarily. Sometimes you grab your faces because if you can get their face and their eyes are locked with you, guess what? You got them, right? So pay close attention to the book of Hebrews. says pay ten, close attention because what's that cost here is that you would drift, that, that you would swerve. And it's, it's, it's not worth it. We need to stay very attentive to what his word says and to understand what he is teaching us as he, the Holy Spirit points out this, this passage in a brand new way that maybe we've never seen even though we've read it several times. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, and again, this careless farmer is just throwing seed everywhere. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Now, it doesn't say whether the farmer has a PhD in botany or biology, or if he has 50 years of experience as a farmer, it just says he spreads the seed, and then, lo and behold, he doesn't even know how, it does what? It grows. It grows. And then the point of the parable is what? You don't necessarily need a PhD in botany or in the seed or the word, but boy, you got this farmer who's, who's, who is spreading the most important potent substance on planet earth and you know what that is more more potent than any nuclear weapon putin or whoever else has in their arsenal what is it it's god's word it's god's word about jesus it will change a king's heart a lot quicker than a nuclear weapon will it will it will change them for good too it works from the inside and so we hold in our hands the very word of God, and we realize, wow, that's exactly what he's saying, is that he goes to sleep, and he doesn't even know, and God is doing what during sleep? 
He's working with the farm. I, I was a farmer. We'd plant the seed in the ground. And once we planted the seed in the ground, we would, there'd be a big waiting period of time. And we'd go do something else because we knew whatever was doing its thing was doing its thing, right? So we'd find some fences to mend or we'd do something else. And later on, we might come back and spray. But it was a, pretty much once you got the, the, the seed in the ground, the seed took care of things. Can you just say Amen that the seed takes care of things? It isn't about you. You share, and you be diligent and gentle in how you share it, and please share how God has changed your life. But when you do, recognize that the results do not depend on you. It completely depends on God. And it's the seed that takes root in someone's life, and you don't even know when it does. You might think, man, that person just totally ditched the gospel. I explained it perfectly, right? You think I've explained it perfectly. God takes care of all that stuff, all that stuff. I remember a person I shared, Jason Rogers and I shared with in 2000 and about three, it was three, it was the first year of this church. And we shared with this guy, smart guy, real smart engineer kind of guy. And just, you know, he's just like wanting to know all these questions about science and da, da, da. And at the end of it, I said, do you have any questions? You know? And he's like, no. I'm like, oh, cool. I said, well, really, are you, are you ready to commit your life to Jesus? He's like, no. And I'm like, do you have any questions? It wasn't about what? This. It was the seeds deposited that had to be laid ahead of time. And when we put the seed in the ground, we don't put the seed in the ground in August and expect on August 15th we're going to harvest, do we? We put the seed in the ground what? Way back earlier because there's some work that God has to do. And luckily, this person, about five years later, I found out he came to the Lord. Don't know, do you? So you're just like, wow, he just rejected the gospel. Dangerous place to be in, by the way. We talked about that. But wow, God's seed planted in him. Right now, seed is being planted where? Not only here, but where? Upstairs. How important is that? Super important, super important, because though that soil up there, I mean, I hate to just like diss us, but we're kind of hard soil. We kind of are. As we are adults, a lot of times we get a little bit harder. I mean, there's softer and harder adults, but children typically are what? They're soft soil. What a great opportunity. And those of you who bring your children to church every Sunday or nearly every Sunday, guess what? You're putting them in a position where they can actually receive seed. And that seed takes root, and even though you don't see it, even though they may go through the teenage or the terrible tooth, well, that was already passed, I guess, but now then you get the teenagers, and then pretty soon after they're teenagers, they turn into adults, and kind of their world opens up, and they realize you're not quite as stupid as they thought you, you, know, they thought you were. And they also realize they need God. They need God. And they have a whole new awareness about that. Kind of got off track there. But anyway, just that's it. You do not need a doctorate in botany for the plants to grow. And the seeds that you've sown as a lamp that sheds God's light and Jesus' light to the people who are around you, you don't. Isaiah 55 says this. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. 
It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Wow. What does that mean? Your light that comes off of your lamp and God's word will never come back empty. It might take a while. It might be, it might be put in the ground in May. And you're waiting June, nothing. July, you're like, man, I got some bad seed. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to see the stuff get taller. And you're like, oh, man, this is going to head out, isn't it? And that's what Jesus was saying. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And these people listening are going, I've seen this before. You mean there's this process by which the kingdom is going to grow? It's actually going to have steps to it? Even dispensations, words like that, they would understand that without having to know a whole bunch more about it because Jesus was speaking to them in their native language. I want you to challenge you to do this. I want you to pray for the seeds God has sown into your life that they would grow into an abundant harvest. Some of you, Quentin's here this morning, Maddie's here, some different people who are maybe young kids who, get, who were in our, uh, our Sunday school program all the way through. Maddie's here as well, and we have youth programs. And, and then, as, then you are sitting here. All, this, all these years, you might have been here, and realizing that God has put seed in you to do what? To produce a harvest. And that seed has been kind of incubating, and there's the stalk, and then there's the head, and then there's these kernels. And you realize that God is using them more and more and more. Wow. What a celebration to look forward to what God is going to do in the future. But pray that God would stir, fan into flame what he's already put into you and to me. 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Here he's making this comparison again. What parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all, of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. How many of you have ever seen a mustard seed? Okay. I've seen all kinds of seeds before. Some of them weren't so good. We used to Pigeon grass. That was kind of a small seed. I remember having to sift that out before we put it in the granary because they would dock you so much for it. A mustard seed is kind of almost, you look at it, you go, that might be even a waste product. But it's not because when the seed, which is powerful, which is, by the way, that whole the idea of that whole parable is that, man, it is powerful. And whether you sleep or whatever, stay awake, it's going to grow. But this one says it's not only going to grow, but what you think is so small and insignificant is going to grow to be what? massive and powerful, such that it will support things. And so Jesus is telling them, this kingdom, it's not going to stay with you 12, and it's not going to stay with you 500. It's going to be what? It's going to be insured in Wyoming someday, and all the way through the whole globe. And that's what Jesus was saying. And so as you pray for those seeds that you have sown in other people's lives, as your lamp has shown Pray for them that they would produce more and more fruit, that their lives would also be trans transferred into other people, that their testimony would have an effect on other people, that the kingdom of God would grow by numbers. And we, sometimes we go, oh, that's kind of audacious to ask, you know. No, it's not. That's what the parable is saying. 
It's going to grow. And we want you to be a part. God says, I want you to be a part of this. In fact, as you invest and you're faithful and as you sow generously, you will also what? Reap generously too. And so we see, wow, it's worth it. Some of those dates, what do these dates have to do with God's powerful seed and this mustard seed growing? What are some of those dates? What are they? Some of you would have no idea what those dates are. Because while you were sleeping, God was doing something. But the first one would mean something to Bob Wario, wouldn't it? And the second one would be worth something to a Michael, a guy named Michael. And the third one would be pretty important, you know, even to someone else who might be here and recognize, you know what, God's busy all the time. And he just invites us to be part of his work. And you look back and you go, wow, I mean, God's kingdom is like that? That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. From an impossible standpoint, I'm going to just share about Bob. Bob's okay with this, and if he's not, I'll catch it later on. But I remember when I first met Bob, it was 2006. We were at Sugarland over where the, well, now it's something else completely, like payday loans or whatever. Anyway, we were a small little place, and I think we had like 60 people because we had like 15 new people coming in. It was just a crazy time. And here comes this guy with a leather coat, and he's, he's with this, this couple, and and I, you know, he, as you try to say hi to everybody, you know, so I catch him and Bob would probably kind of probably blush a little bit, but what he's, what so much has changed in his life. And I shook his hand, hey, I'm Mike. He goes, we're just checking it out. Kind of like, hey, you know, and we've been known to put the heavy on people for sure. Like everybody collapses around him. But within a year, wow, there's Bob and you see his his whole change from a, a leather-coated guy that's, we're just checking things out, to a person who said, I know Jesus personally now. And there's the kingdom grows. And so that little mustard seed gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and we get to see what was impossible, an impenetrable leather coat, much like your, the people who, you, who you're reaching out to have kind of impenetrable skins around them, and God's seed takes root in there. And you pray for him, and pretty soon what happens? His kingdom grows. And you don't know how, but God does it anyway. And so we see a miracle. Every time someone comes to the Lord, it is, I know it's hard to believe this, but it's a greater miracle. When Austin, this is in 2018, when they didn't think he was going to make it in the ICU, they just said, don't even bother. July 13th, that would have been his last day. But he miraculously came through, and no one from a medical standpoint would have told me that. They, they gave me the big thumbs down. And you see that miracle of saving his life for another three and a half years, and he came to know Jesus in a, such a more personal way. But that's even as though that miracle is big, even a bigger miracle than that is what? April 11th, February 28th, February 14th, 1990 whatever it was for you or whatever your, your date is. God changes hearts. And when someone comes to Christ, that is a humongous miracle. Some applications, because, oh, not too bad. Not crazy. Be good soil. As Chance said, you know what? It's, it's about us. It's how we receive the word. Be doers of the word. 
James 1.12, spend time with others who are seeking, listening. Maybe that would be a good place to be involved in a small group. That would help you grow for sure. God's word is powerful. The seed is the powerful part. Whatever, whether you go off and go fencing or not, God is working at all times. Are you abiding in it? Are you abiding in his word? It's the most powerful thing on planet earth. God's kingdom starts small, but it's destined to be very large. Are you praying for the seeds that you've sown? Are you praying for the people around you? I use the word oikos. You can use whatever you want to. It's the people who are in your relational world who you have an effect on just because God has supernaturally placed them in your world. And he, as much like the talents, what we've been given and are faithful with, he will give us more. And so don't think that's the last person you'll ever see. And it hurts when they, when they move on. So did it hurt to, to see this guy say, nope, I'm not interested. But five years later, it's worth it. It's worth the investment. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the parables that not only change our lives and help us to understand deeper truths than we could ever imagine, even on this side of the cross, even with all the benefits of knowing what's going on, that there is so much richness in those parables that you shared with us in your word, the very most powerful thing on planet Earth and in, in the universe. Father, help us to see your seed is powerful. Help us to see that it's small, but it's growing, and that we are asked to be a part of that. And, and as, as we celebrate today with Michael's baptism, that we would just see how you're working amongst us, and that every one of us has an influence on every person who comes through the door, whether we greet them or whether we're, we're cordial or whether, whether we share the word with them, that, we, that we're an encouragement to them. And help us in our small groups as well, as Michael has grown so much, just to encourage people. We don't know where they're at. We don't know that they're seeking sometimes. And everything that we say and do can be seeds that can be planted for your harvest. And we thank you for letting us just be a part of this. You don't even need us, but you somehow you, just, you, you feel compelled to let us be a part of your kingdom. And we thank you for that. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.